And welcome to the Brothers Grimm edition of Fatal Follower Presents. It's been a long time since we've uh, connected and brought darkness to darkness to all of you listeners. Uh, but we're excited for today's episode. Uh, on the line, as always with Brothers Grimm, I have Travis, a.k.a. Captain Creature from Horrifying My Friends. Welcome back to the Fatal Follower Presents Cavern. <laughs> It is me back. Yes, it's been a long time. So we, so the last episode we were on actually was back in January where we did our best of 2021. And now it's been kind of nice to uh, get into the 2022 of it all. Uh, there's been um, a few notable releases in the past couple, well, yeah, past couple of months, I should say. Um, of course, we've, we started strong with Scream. And we got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix debuted. Uh, it's been actually uh, number one, between number one and number three uh, since it debuted. So a lot of people have been watching it. A lot of people have been talking about it. Um, yeah. uh, we have The Cursed, which is came out in February. And that is a low-key sort of hammer, sort of uh, werewolf horror movie. Um it's getting a lot of love in the horror community, and I encourage all of you to go check it out. Uh, it, it's in theaters now, probably not for very long, but it will be on video on demand. And uh, I was uh, privy to a screener of it, and uh, I will have to uh, direct you to the uh, review episode that I did for this last week. If you haven't gotten to listen to that yet, uh, check that out as well. At first, um, I thought you were talking about a curse, like Wes Craven's Cursed. No, oh, like they are coming out with that, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's actually uh, just got announced for a Blu-ray with Screen Factory, which I'm excited to to pick up. Um, and lastly, uh, if you are a Foo Fighters fan and uh, you like band movies, uh, th there hasn't been a lot of band movies recently, but I think they're bringing resurrecting that uh, uh, idea. Uh, back into the mainstream consciousness. So Foo Fighters are playing themselves and they uh, have a movie out that's already out now called Studio 666. And uh, you can also uh, look back at the review that I have posted for that on my thoughts on that as well. Rather than give you news, we're going to uh, first talk a little bit about what we've been watching, how things have been. And uh, we have a topic for the show before we get into the macabre collections. And ultimately, the big meat of the episode, we're going to be talking about cult movies, movies with cults and our countdown. Um, so what kind of prompted this discussion with uh, Travis and I is I was fresh off of watching Archive 81 on Netflix, and it is a culty uh, uh, horror, horror um, TV series uh, on Netflix, which 
uh, is based on the podcast of the same name. So if you haven't gotten a chance to check that out, I strongly encourage uh, checking out the uh, the series and also diving into the podcast. I'm kind of halfway through the podcast, and I have to say I'm really glad uh, they expanded on a lot of uh, what they did in the show. And uh, I hope that they do a season two because I'm pretty excited. Trav, have you gotten to check out Archive 81 yet? No, and I didn't even know it was a podcast. That's pretty killer. I'll have, yeah. to, I'll have to dive into that at work, man. Um, and because it is based on a cult, uh, I thought this would be a really fun episode to do a countdown uh, of our favorite cult movies. Oh, hell yeah. Now, Trev, uh, what have you been watching? Have you been watching anything new, anything recently? So uh, not really um, as far as movies. Uh, I talked about it in the Horrifying My Friends, the latest episode. I was more so like catching up on stuff that came out in 2021. Um like uh, No Time to Die, the recent James Bond movie, yep, which which is like actually kind of uh, kind of amazing, like the the action in it and stuff. You would probably actually uh, dig it. It's uh, is that dude's name? Uh, what is his name? Fukunawa or Fukunawa, the guy that directed um, True Detective season one. Okay, I haven't even uh, I I didn't even go past the first episode of that series. I liked it. I just didn't continue. Yeah, he was he was the one that was supposed to direct it. Oh. And uh, he wrote the story and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've been watching like that. I caught that. Um, caught the uh, newest Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course. I know we both did our uh, reviews. Uh, Scream. Uh, 2022, on the whole, has been kind of light as far as uh, watching movies for me. Um, and cutting into my budget because... Uh, recently this last week uh, you know a lot of us have pets I know I'm sure a lot of the listeners have pets and stuff so Ripley uh, my big Irish wolfhound uh, mischievous Irish wolfhound got on the counter and uh, ate an entire bag of uh, Noble Romans breadsticks oh wow (laughs) I didn't even know Noble Romans was still around yeah oh maybe it was no no it was Olive Garden sorry it was Olive Garden so as as any living creature probably would, you know, like uh, go after the Olive Garden breadsticks. But uh, yeah, so garlic is in these breadsticks. So it it like poisoned her. Oh, so no. she had to stay in the ICU for a night. So that severely cut into my budget. I was still able to. Uh, thankfully, she's OK. I was still able to. Uh, I picked up the new Madman uh, edition from Vinegar Syndrome. Yep. Which is fucking amazing. Like the cover is fucking amazing. Um, I've been buying a lot of apparel. Like I picked up uh, after I saw the the uh, the panned, the hated, the uh, controversial Texas Chainsaw Massacre twenty two. I had to go get a, a t shirt from Fright Fright Rags because that movie's fucking amazing. But yeah, just listening to a lot of music too. Like um, I do another pod like for on the side for fun with uh, some of my buddies called guillotine press and uh we've been recently diving into like pink floyd and progressive rock and stuff and i remember um i told a story on there i remember uh like you and um our stepdad frank and like several other people like were the ones that early on introduced me to like the more progressive rock because i was like i told a story on there and i was like dad always said that like pink floyd were pussies and stuff like that. <laughs> like the, his direct words you know dad listened to like led zeppelin and you know aerosmith and metallica 
but it's like, you know, this whole progressive rock stuff. So I've been really diving into that, which led me to Pink Floyd's The Wall, which I'm like bending the rules on the on the next Hurl Find My Friends to uh, cover The Wall, because uh, I think it's arguably a horror film. Have you ever seen that? Uh, it's been a while. Probably. I mean, I, I probably watched it as a kid. I remember they used to screen the movie kind of like a Rocky Horror style where it would be like at midnight or 11 yeah. Um, at like some of the, like the budget theaters and they would have, um, you know, just a lot of people there. They it would just be really loud and rowdy. Um, yeah. Walk through a cloud and sit down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it, I definitely remember some bits and pieces of it. Um, but yeah, I think, and then they would also do like the Pink Floyd laser show, which were really cool. I did attend one of those. Uh, um, but yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I know it has a very important place uh, in cinema and specifically with, uh, you know, how music can influence mood through the narrative and, and it becoming a part of a character itself. So it's it's pretty important. So, yeah, I think that's a really cool find and uh, and movie to highlight for a horror podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, why are there not more of those? You know, it's like, why not like pair? You know, in the Foo Fighters thing, you got me going, like, you got my wheels turning, like, the Foo Fighters, uh, the upcoming Foo Fighters horror movie. But I'm like, why are we not pairing, like, Ty West or, like, one of these other directors with, like, a rock band, you know? And, like, have them coming up with an original album or an original rock opera. Like, I want to see more rock operas, man. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, uh, and you'll have to check out, like I said, my Studio 666 review. But I'm excited to promote it because... It, Dave Grohl uh, is a huge horror fan, and he mentioned in an interview um, that he got the idea because they were recording an album, and they and they moved into a mansion, and he's he was thinking, wow, this would be really cool if I found um, kind of very similar to like Trick or Treat, like the Ozzy Osbourne Trick or Treat movie oh, with Sammy Kerr, where there's yes. an idea that if you can find like some sort of uh, hymn or something that is sort of cursed. And so he kind of got the wheels turning and it turned out, um, you know, the movie sort of progressed from there and they're playing themselves in the movie. And I will say one thing that should definitely put some horror fans in seats is uh, John Carpenter did the opening theme for the movie and he's been pretty integral in like the score and all kinds of cool stuff. But yeah, definitely check out my review for that. Um, that I just posted and also check out the movie in theaters. Cause you definitely uh, want to support, you know, that indie horror. And this sort of is a low key indie effort. It's not a mainstream movie and it's a new, you know, new fresh idea. And, and a lot of fans out there, you know, want new stuff. So you got to go support it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, you can't just support Halloween kills all year long and not support the lower efforts if you want new ideas. That's a uh, personal attack on me, and I will not stand for it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just buy every version of Halloween kills. Right. Yeah. You have to support some other stuff out there. There's other movies out there besides Halloween kills. Um, it's always cool when like one of those uh, like metal or rock icons comes out and like admits, you know, talks about horror and he's really knowledgeable. Like another guy was Corey Taylor. Like he's yeah. constantly talking about horror movies and interviews and like John five and uh, you're, this is brought to you by your Rob zombie minute and Rob zombie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I is think your Rob zombie 15 seconds. Yeah. 
I, I just want to throw out a couple of things that I've been watching. Of course, Peacemaker, horror adjacent. Oh my God. I have to admit. Um, great series. Uh, it's really could be a starting point for anybody that's that doesn't feel like they have to watch every uh, DC movie. Uh, there, of course, are DC nods and eggs and stuff in there, but uh, you know, I would like to push that too because I think it's some people are hesitant. Like they feel like if you're going into a Marvel movie, you have to watch every Marvel movie to watch the show. And really with this, it's pretty self-contained. I mean, you'll appreciate uh, the series, whether you've watched Suicide Squad or not. Um, and of course, um, checking out uh, Watchmen now, which I don't know how this bypassed me for so long, but um, have you gotten to check out Watchmen? A few episodes, yeah. I listen to the score all the time. That fucking Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross score is awesome. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Uh, I I'm on episode three now of it, and oh boy, my mind is blown. I, and you know, to be honest, uh, I think it's more of a continuation of the comic book versus the movie verse. Yeah. Um, so that's what I appreciated about it. I, I think they're trying to do something different. So I, I appreciated that. Um, yeah. So you brought up two movies. Uh, screen. Well, you brought up a, a few here. Um, in a Something that I've noticed uh, being on horror Twitter, being on horror Facebook, you know, the social media, uh, like every time it goes back to really even Halloween 2018, uh, Halloween Kills, Candyman 2021, um, this recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. And it's just like, it seems like that horror fans are so fucking divided on like like you either gotta love it or hate it like in and i hate that trend like i think it's like a it's kind of a disturbing trend like i know that's like a first world kind of like you know this is a problem kind of thing because there are a lot of other like fucked up stuff going on i feel like if texas chainsaw massacre two or three were released right now I feel like people would be going after it like they are 2022. And it's like, why is that? Like, why, why do we, why are we so divided? Like, or have we always been that way? You know, it, it's like, and I just wanted to hear your take on that. Cause I've been, it's something that I've been like thinking, like kicking around a lot because like, I know me, you and I really, really liked text chains on massacre 22, but I yeah. see people like, literally going after people like it's okay to say like <laughs> like <laughs> like it's okay to be like yeah you know it's not my bag whatever i've seen people like literally go after people for liking it yeah well i think it's a really interesting interesting sociological experiment is to put a bunch of air quote free thinkers into a space or or this specifically a platform where you're allowed to remain sort of uh have some anonymity and also voice whatever comes out of your head you know what i mean yeah so you so you put people like that into a situation and it's sort of like a powder keg like it's waiting to explode and that's sort of i mean we've seen that with how uncivil the discourse has happened online as people don't have civilized discussions i about anything you know about politics or about you know the pandemic or about movies and i didn't really notice it as much until probably you know po when politics entered onto the social media platforms and then i noticed how 
much information and how many emotions that are there that you're you're privy to to be able to see and access so i think we've always yeah. been uh, in a place where we've been divided but we're not in a platform to to see what people are thinking and feeling and so i think there's that's kind of like a like a twofold there like sure we're, we're access to information and we're able to share but also we have to that's a give and take right so you give something and then you take something back and what is it you take back well, you take back your feedback, you take back whether it's positive or negative. And so a lot of negativity is online all the time, right? So I think if if given a platform and given a space, people either will share how they feel about something. And if people don't agree with them and they don't get their echo chamber, then they get upset. And I understand that because I think when I started out on the internet, I would I would I sort of was that gatekeeper on certain things. Like I was still learning how to, uh, I guess, be a person online. And I think it just kind of, everybody's on their own journey, I want to say. But oh, yeah. it's hard to step back and like be friends with people online that are like that, like gatekeepers. And so it's it's hard. And, and I don't really know if there's an answer other than this is really a toxic environment. You know, for me to go from feeling high off of something I enjoy to now exposing myself to this negativity. And it's not really that healthy. <laughs> it, even if it is stupid, it's like, it's a Texas chainsaw massacre. Who cares? Right. Cut some bitch's head off. It's like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, more or less, it's like, it's a ninth entry into a franchise that never really had uh, a legs to stand on anyways. I mean, you have the very first movie, which um, like I mentioned in the podcast that we did before with Doug and Bill, it's a movie that still scares me to this day and can cannot be replicated. So why would I expect another movie to come in and replicate that when there's already a perfect movie like that that exists? So, so somebody, it's okay if it doesn't. <laughs> somebody made a pretty good point, like um, about like looking at the like older movies through today's lens, even like say the 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre drops and Twitter gets to pick it apart. Right. Twitter would probably pick that movie apart as well. Even, even though like I, it's my favorite horror film of all time and stuff like they're like, Oh, there's a zombie grandpa upstairs and they bring him down and, you know, people would be like, Oh, that's fucking outlandish. And you know, it's terrible writing and right, you know, yeah. all this other shit. But you read some of those like old Fangoria's and this is like, I think you made a really good point about like us just seeing it more like through Twitter Yeah, is like you read some of those Fangoria's like from the eighties and it's fucking hilarious. Cause like, it'll be like about Christine and they will be like, John Carpenter lost it, man. Christine is fucking terrible. It, it couldn't come close to the book and stuff. And it's like, Christine's a fucking classic. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it, just about like the thing, of course, like panned, you know? Yeah, I mean, there, there needs to be, you know, some time to like also separate yourself from things. And that's why I took it upon myself to rewatch the entire franchise, which uh, was pretty interesting. I don't think I've ever really paid attention to the Texas Chainsaw movies like I did this last time. And, you know, for me, I, I rated, you know, the first movie like fifth in the ranking. And you know, I had some friends say, oh, are you serious? Are you kidding me? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors that you take into account when you're going to rewatch a movie. And yeah. I'm all about like fun, sometimes turn your brain off kind of vibe. 
Um, sometimes I want something serious and it really just depends on like the space you're in and your mind and everything. But yeah, I mean, I would say this is like a topic that we're always going to continue to see if we're continuing to expose ourselves to like the platform of social media and really kind of what we're doing, what we're choosing to, to do with that information and how we're going to react to it. And for me, I've kind of tried to just get away from like reading comments and really trying to feed into that negativity because ultimately people are, are, are there to, to troll and to, you know, oh, say what they're yeah. going to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody has their opinions and they're going to think about, you know, a certain way. I really enjoyed the movie. I wouldn't mind a sequel. I think, um, I think I also went in with low expectations and was con considerably surprised, uh, by it, uh, by having such a good time, even though I agree with the stupidity of it. Like it's still fun for me. It, um, and you even like, we've just got into the, uh, kind of divisive movies, uh, like of the past couple years, but. You could even take like ones that are considered like modern classics, like Midsummer, Hereditary, uh, The Witch. There are even people like that hate those, like that that will go see. Like I can dislike you know, <laughs> you know that I dislike Child's Play, the remake, right. like with my every ounce of being. I the, I don't get that like uh, that mindset to where like okay, I'm gonna search Child's Play 2018 or 2019 on Twitter. And I'm going to attack everybody that loves it. <laughs> like, I don't get that, man. I'm like, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Like, I... Yeah, and, and, and I've even said things on the podcast about, you know, jokingly, and some serious, because there's some seriousness to jokes, about A24 movies, because sometimes I feel like they're a little too pretentious. And that's just my feeling. And I know right. that that... And I know that that is a, uh, a feeling that a lot of people share. I know that's a feeling that a lot of people don't share. But um, I think... What's funny is Scream, and I'm not going to reveal anything, but Scream, I think, really does a good job. The new Scream 2022, they do a really good job of showcasing fandom in a way now yeah. that I think is pretty relevant. And it's, you know, one of those movies of its time that I think we're going to look back on and, and realize, wow, that was what was happening then and maybe we'll be in a better place by the time we reflect on screen 2022 with social media who knows <laughs> yeah and i guess like i guess i've been thinking about this a lot because it's like horror is such a such in such a cool place as far as like books and comics and movies and stuff but like you got all this added negativity to it and i'm like i don't want it to go the way of like star wars and i know star wars is still booming and stuff but their fan base is legit like has problems <laughs> yeah and the I new mean, scream deal with that deals with that as well you know yeah i mean there's there's a lot of toxicity in fandom of course and i think it's a lot of passionate people um in a place and you know they want what they want and i think that's what um was said so well in the scream movie uh, is just how fans can be sometimes. And I think it's cool that, um, you know, people are realizing more and more on, inter on online that um, what toxic fandom looks like and, you know, how to address it. And there's a lot of work to do <laughs> with that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to see like what some of our listeners uh, think about, you know, that topic. I think it's a great topic to have a discussion about and have a conversation about, about, and not only that, but look inwards and see how you, how your presence is online uh, to other people that love something that you may be dogging on. I mean, it's, it's, it's sure it's fun to hate something, but 
what are you really accomplishing, I guess, when you're going out and spreading the hate uh, into the right. atmosphere, you know? Um, so with that, I think we're going to transition over to things we love uh, with the Macabre Collections piece. It's time for Macabre Collections. <laughs> All right, so Travis, how empty is your wallet metaphorically with all of the announcements that have been happening this year? I know mine is. I have been picking up, um, I wouldn't say a lot of things, but some of the things I've been picking up are kind of pricey. Um, mm -hmm. You picked up Madman 4K, I did too. Oh, yeah. That was um, a must just, buy. I just had to do it. Yeah, I was. I, I kind of guessed that they were going to release that, and they did, and they gave us a really cool uh, slipcase with new artwork. And uh, I haven't dived into it yet, but uh, I'm anxious to see some of the new features. I think they did a interview with Galen Ross, I believe, on it. And um, yeah, I I'm excited for that. Um, I also picked up Alligator from Scream Factory, which I'm excited to watch. Uh, did oh, you get yeah. that? No, I'm uh, ordering it right now as we speak. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a pretty big fan of Alligator and Alligator 2, The Mutation. And uh, those were kind of out of left field. I did not expect anyone to be releasing those. So I had bought the Spain releases. And uh, yeah, so I did a, uh, a buy for Scream Factory on those. Um, I did pick up uh, Deadly Games from Arrow Video, which is a uh, 80s slasher new to any format other than VHS, um, which I'm excited about. It's a masked slasher movie, and uh, I'm ready to dive into that uh, as well. And um, also, uh, there is a group online. Uh, it's led by Roy Dam, and he puts together physical media stuff that's not out there. So a shout out to him. He put out a uh, Scream 4. Uh, I think it was a director's cut or something where it restored all of the deleted scenes and the deleted gore into one seamless cut. Um, he did a Halloween 78 and a Halloween 2 uh, 81 uh, giant cut with uh, some restored scenes in it. And he, and he sells it like as a mega cut or whatever, a Halloween whatever cut um so shout out to him because i think he does some really cool uh, uh fans demanded stuff that he he wants to see and he shares that with his uh his fans and uh yours truly just pre-ordered the texas chainsaw massacre 2022 from him and he is releasing that on Blu-ray, of course, with extras. And he's also releasing that as a, a drive-in cut with added uh, spice, I'll say to it, with uh, added vintage look, like a filter, uh, basically. <laughs> it's so, just like a fucking, it's just like a piece of animal skin or something. <laughs> right. <the> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really excited for that. It's got reversible art and it's got two cuts of the movie and he's pretty kick-ass so i'm really excited to to get that in the mail because i really loved that movie i really love texas chainsaw massacre 2022 so um, i went in expecting dune 
<laughs> I haven't actually seen the new Dune yet. I haven't either because it's yeah. four hours. Yeah, I really want to. Um, yeah, so um, I do have two books here that I picked up. Uh, one I picked up a few weeks back, but I thought I would highlight it. I haven't started it yet. It's called Horseman, and it's from Christina Henry. And I actually have another of her books. Um, it's called, It's a Tale of Sleepy Hollow. And essentially, it is um, everyone in Sleepy Hollow knows about the horseman, but no one really believes in him. Not even uh, Ben Van Brunt's grandfather, Brom Bones, who was there when it was said that the horseman chased the upstart Ichabod Crane out of town. Brom says that's just a legend. Village gossips talking. Um, this kind of feels like it's like a mystery, murder mystery under the guise of the horseman. Like, is the horseman back? Is there a killer in town? Um, it kind of spoke to me when I was at Barnes and Noble and I had to go back and pick it up. Um, actually, I think I talked to you about that. I was like, I got to go back and pick this up. Um, so I picked that up. Um, I picked up another recent one. Um, well, it was a while back, but I picked this up from Soundgarden, my favorite uh, indie record store that also sells books and lots of good horror. Um, this is called The Burning Girls, and it's from CJ Tudor. And it is a basically about um, there's a flashback about Chapel Croft 30 years ago, two teenage girls disappeared. And uh, after that, a parish vicar hung himself in the nave of the church. And now in current time, uh, Reverend Jack Brooks and his 14-year-old daughter are moving to the village. And the denizens around the village are strange and unusual. And they are uncovering uh, a truth in the village and the bloody past. So this looked very witchy, very cool. Um, yeah, so very cool. So I picked that up and uh, I can't wait to, to dive into that. So those are two new reads that I have. Trev, have you picked up uh, any other than your Blu-rays or anything? You picked up anything else? Uh, a little bit of Grindhouse Blu-rays. I think this is out of Arrow Video, but it's uh, Switchblade Sisters. Um, I'm going to do my Grindhouse. A little bit of Grindhouse voice. The wildest girl gang that ever blasted the streets from Jack Hill. <laughs> does that sound like a, sound like a Tarantino-type movie? It, it really does. Lace, the leader of an inner-city girl gang, the Dagger Debs. Ooh, I want to join. <laughs> meets her match when the new that's what D Dustin Kramer's in that gang meets her match when the new girl Maggie moves into the neighborhood mistrust and conflict turn to friendship at the girls end up in the juvenile detention together at the mercy of ab abusive guards meanwhile the dagger Debs male counterparts the silver daggers have to contend with the arrival of a new gang led by the villainous crabs but when the girls get back <laughs> on the streets a plan strike in tandem with the silver puts lace in the hospital maggie assumes control teaming up with muff and her gang of african-american militants from across town to declare all-out war so that sounds like a fun movie to watch with others <laughs> that's switchblade sisters um i picked up another edition of um the great cannibal holocaust of course uh, oh. i wish i was joking but uh it's the three or four disc uh, grindhouse releasing that comes with the soundtrack and oh yeah that. i've seen that out yeah um yeah. It's, only, 
it's actually only 24 bucks on uh, Amazon. That's a damn good price if anybody's listening that digs wow. up. Yeah, it's like one of those big like three disc and it comes with the it's it's definitely I mean I think I think I paid like 39.99 for it. So 24.99 right now is like pretty damn good uh, price. And um I also got let me find it here. And you ordered that from did you order that from Grindhouse? Uh, uh no, you can find it on Amazon and stuff. Nice. Um, some, sometimes like vinegar syndrome and stuff, I order directly from vinegar syndrome, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, this is a little throwback. This is a book that, uh, I ordered and it's, it's funny because screen factory just, uh, announced the, uh, I think you have to order it from their site, but it's the Christopher Walken movie communion. You remember oh. Whitley Strieber's communion, the novel. Did you ever read that? I never read it, but I did get the Spain Blu-ray release of that. I'm not going to buy the Screen Factory one because I already have one. Yeah. And I can't double dip on it, but it's a good exclusive. So I would highly recommend getting it. And I want to get the book. Dude, I'm reading the book right now. Like, you can think Whitley Schreiber is like full of shit, whatever you want. Like, you know, I'm I'm not going to like, I, I don't know. He may be, but the the dude knows how to write a horror story you know of course with wolfen and um i'm forgetting one that he wrote beforehand but his description in this novel dude like what like i said whether it's fictional or non-fictional like gives you the fucking chills man yeah like i've been reading it before bed and stuff and i i was able to find a uh, paperback with that old cover where it's just like the alien head on it and it's like oh dude it's so fucking creepy but yeah, pretty much like that's it. You know, I've been buying like comics, like, you know, I'm out of the comic game, like um, as far as like issues and stuff, but I've been buying comics here and there, but nothing really that noteworthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have even taken a break on buying books because I'm just trying to like make my way through a bunch of the new stuff I bought in like 2020 and 2021. And oh, I'm yeah. so far behind and, um, but I did pick up a new action figure and Uh-oh. that's becoming kind of a habit. Um, oh, dude. But I picked up one of the new NECA 2 terrors from Target and Ooh. it is the ghost face figure. I like that one, man. It's really cute. I like it. Uh, I love the, I like how the mask is over elongated uh, it looks really, really fun and spooky, and I love those particular depictions of the horror icons because they look like they would appear on Scooby Doo, and I love Scooby Doo, um, so that's why I think those are fun. They're... Real quick, when you have a uh, ghost face figure, who do you uh, who do you believe it is? Like, which killer of the franchise do you always picture it being? Well, I don't know if I have to be as obvious but it's Stu. Stu? yeah see i always picture mine as mickey <laughs> oh okay well then i wasn't yeah. being too obvious didn't see that one coming did you <laughs> that's Debbie cool. salt yeah well you know mickey was pretty crazy so i do like mickey i like how in that reveal in scream 2 like at the very end he just goes like totally bananas like out of nowhere <laughs> yeah timothy oliphant he's a great actor i always forget that's him too yeah yeah um so yeah i picked that up and it was a pretty good price for uh i think it was like 12 or 13 bucks nice. um and there is one that i've been eyeing and it's at one of my favorite collector spots in syracuse 
uh, at the Destiny Mall. And every time Gabe and I go there for like a movie or something, I always go in there and look at it. It's the uh, the Toonie Terrors, the minor uh, figure. Oh, dude. And I really want it, but it's like 25 bucks. And I'm like, I can't commit to that. But... Dude, buy it. Because <laughs> you're going to go in there one day to buy it and it's not going to be there. I know. And, you know, I... I was going to go in there and get, uh, they actually had, this was an old school uh, Scream uh, Ghostface figure with the phone and the new really cool retro artwork. I don't remember when it came out, but it's it was there until the movie came out. And then when yeah. I went back, it was gone. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, um, it's like, it's going for like 60 bucks right now or something. What are cults? Well, if you don't know what cults are, uh, in English, modern English, a cult is a social group that is defined by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, or its common interest in a particular personality, object, or goal. Uh, cults have been around since the dawn of time. Uh, notable ones in 67, The Summer of Love with Charles Manson, 75 with uh, Reverend Jim Jones, uh, 90. represent. <laughs> uh, 1993, the year of the grunge, uh, with uh, David Koresh, uh, the Branch Davidians. Uh, we all know about that lovely little uh, Waco situation happening. Um, the one that I remember the most as a kid, which they would never show this on the news now, you would have to find this online, like on the dark web. It is the infamous. Um, 39 victims of mass suicide for Heaven's Gate. Oh, and yeah. uh, I remember looking on the news and wondering why the hell are they showing um, all of these people in beds with blue jogging pants on and their Nikes or Adidas or whatever the fuck they were wearing and they're dead. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's crazy to think that even today cults are predominant. Um, some people think that we've even had a political cult uh, as of recently. Um, I will name no names, but cults are all over. They permeate society and uh, they can become very dangerous. And uh, so what a perfect way to celebrate cults than to celebrate some of the movies in horror that we love that feature cults. So um, right off the bat, mine is a obvious pick. Uh, my number five, and these are in no particular order. These are just five movies that stand out to me that I like to revisit uh, that have cults in them or are about cults. Uh, and this one is a favorite of mine, um, stars Jennifer Rubin from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and it's called Bad Dreams from 1988. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Unity Field is a free love cult from the 70s, and they are remembered for its notorious mass suicide led by Harris, played fantastically by Richard Lynch, who is a charismatic leader. Um, all the members are supposed to burn in the fire together, and Cynthia, Jennifer Rubin, is spared by chance. 
Uh, years later, the nightmare of Unity Field remains buried in her mind. Uh, but when those around Cynthia start killing themselves, she begins having visions of Harris and is forced to confront the past. Um, I think it might be on Amazon. Um, I have the physical release on Screen Factory. It's like a double feature with uh, visiting hours. Um, but I liked this movie because you've seen, have you seen this movie? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so I like this movie for lots of reasons, but more so because while the free love cult unity field plays a part in the, what you think is obvious in the movie, you know, you think that Harris, uh, the cult leader, uh, is, actually there doing like this nightmare on Elm street kind of thing to to cynthia and these and these this group of people um there's a different aspect to it and what i always took away from this movie is that um that cult of medicine so it's kind of like bait and switch like it's not necessarily this cult but it's a different type of cult and uh, it may not be a cult where there's many followers but there are lots of participants and what i mean by that uh, cult of medicine is um, there is an aspect uh, of control and a controlled environment, meaning the hospital, and someone is doing something to make this happen. So I thought that was an interesting play on the whole cult idea and villain of a movie. Um, and I think that Richard Lynch is an awesome villain in this, very creepy and um what I think is, is really cool, too, is um, the director didn't get to feature Burning House of Love, but he did end up going with Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, uh, which later became a huge hit. And uh, the music video actually had clips from this movie. Wow. And I thought it was really cool because every time that song comes on during the credits, um, people go, really? Was this out then? You know, like, and it was, and it was a big, it was a big, it wasn't that big yet. So uh, I always thought that was a really cool, fun factoid uh, with the movie, but it fits so much better, I think, than what they were going to go with. Um, I always think of that song. When I hear that song, I always think of this movie. Uh, so yeah, that's my number five pick. So you, you said you did like this movie and do you have oh, yeah. the release? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that. That was one that uh, when you lived at your old house, like over by Harding, that was one that we watched. And um, yeah, I re I always really dug that, man. I need yeah, to dive more into this subgenre, to be honest. Like, I've seen a good amount, but there's so many out there that are like really, really cool. Yeah, and and, and for me, really, um, it, it seems to be, if you watch this movie, you may not pick up on like the element that I mentioned and you may not take away from it like that cult of medicine theory <laughs> that I have um, but it's just me like thinking about it in a different perspective and thinking about it like this like maybe uh, this is a way to look at it because it's it's looking at it from a different angle and, and looking at the villain in a different way uh, yeah I think it I think it was pretty clever and maybe more clever than the director intended or the writer intended uh, but I think it works and I think it worked really well as a bait and switch. So um, that's mine. So what about you? What's your number five? And right away, I like this list because like uh, uh, right away, I made an edit on mine because I took out the Wicker Man because I was like, the Wicker Man, in my opinion, is more of a full core. 
you know, it's like one of the originators, one of the pillars. So I was like, I got to, you know, I can mention it or whatever, but I uh, went ahead and slid in a very underrated one. So it's a little bit deeper, but I'll start out with my number five. This is my pretentious pick <laughs> and this is uh, not a horror film. So uh, this is for Gabriel Sosa out there. Oh, it's the master from 2012 directed oh. by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman playing L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, yes, I am describing a religion, so I'm going to probably get canceled. Uh, <laughs> a- Amy Adams, Joaquin Phoenix, and a fucking masterful performance, man. Um, a naval veteran arrives home from war unsettled and uncertain of his future until he's in, he is tantalized by the cause and its charismatic leader. So this is kind of a movie. It's really, really long. This is kind of a movie um, that's about Scientology, but not naming any name kind of thing about Scientology. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is at times fucking terrifying in this movie. He's charming. He um, is able to, it really shows you like the way that he's able to become friends with and at the same time manipulate this um this veteran that's really fucked up. Like, you know, he has a lot of problems from the war uh, is played of course by Joaquin Phoenix. Um, But it's really like um, it shows you the way that this charismatic guy can kind of just get people to do things for him that they wouldn't necessarily do. And it goes big into the auditing where it's like, you know, um, a not so secret secret that, you know, all, all auditing is, is for you to tell L. Ron Hubbard or whoever is doing the audit, your deepest secrets, your deepest fears and stuff so that they have that shit on record to hold against you. And it's, it's a, it's a masterful movie. It, it's a bit underrated because people are like, it's a lot, you know, too bloated. I remember watching this at your house and I think Gabe and I really liked it. Um, but yeah, man, like this movie, this is one of the movies that like, I think it was later on in high school or early college that I watched all the time, even though it was so long, because I was just so like, so caught up with this character, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's character and how damaged he was and stuff. And really, he's just looking for something. He's looking for something. And there are people out there that, you know, um, whether, you know, whether Joaquin Phoenix knows it or not, it are like, is really just taking advantage of him, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it, it, he, Paul Thomas Anderson does a masterful job with this movie, man. And it is so fucking over underrated, man. It's one of my favorite. It'd probably be like in my top 25 movies of all time. Like, wow. I just love that movie, man. I need to rediscover it. I don't even know if I was awake when you guys watched this. <laughs> Um, you gotta like really like I have to remember what that's about. Yeah. You gotta remember like how great Philip Seymour Hoffman is. Oh yeah, and it's like yeah. he's just rocking this role, dude. And he's you know he's um he's playing it like very charmingly, but you're like I know this motherfucker is up to no good at the same time, right? Like you know, that's a pretty good pick. And you know if that's available streaming or anything anywhere. Uh, I don't know about streaming. Um, I have the Blu-ray. No. Oh, <laughs> no. nice. It's on Netflix. Look at that. Oh, wow. There you go. So take a break from watching TCM 2022 and entrench yourself in The Master. Um, all right. So it was called The Master, right? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, number four, my pick. I'm going back to 1960, and this features a actor in your previously scratched off The Wicker Man, nice. uh, Christopher Lee, and this is called The City of the Dead. And it is about a young college student named Nan Barlow, played by Venetia Stevenson. She arrives in a sleepy Massachusetts town of Whitewood, which I feel like I've been in when I lived in Massachusetts, um, to research witchcraft. Nan's stay at the eerie Raven's Inn takes a portentous turn when she learns her proprietor, Miss Newless played by Patricia Jessel, is the reincarnation of a witch burned at the stake in 1692. The discovery unravels the startling truth about the town, about a coven of witches who have a plan to sacrifice humans to become immortal. This is a really fun, really well-acted, uh, often overacted i would say but very cool and very product of this of the beginning of the 60s have you seen this movie i have not there's a few on your list that i have not seen and i added them to my list yeah so this is on tubi if you want to check it out uh pluto tv which i'm not sure if i've ever been on pluto tv but a lot of people seem to be getting on there so you can check it out there um, you can also check out the Blu-ray from VCI. I would re recommend getting the Blu-ray that is out that has, I believe it's the uncut version of it. Um, there are a couple Blu-rays that circulated, but I would suggest getting the Blu-ray that was the last one released. Um, the last year or the newest release, I should say. Uh, that's the one that has the, they fixed some of the things that were on the previous Blu-ray from VCI. Um, so yeah, so I would definitely check it out there. Of course, Christopher Lee is in it and uh, this predates uh, The Wicker Man, but it's just got a really awesome, foggy, gothic horror vibe. Um, very cool uh, lead actress and very just moody and really quick watch. It's not overly long. And uh, I think uh, you and a lot of listeners will have some fun with it because I think it's it's a it's a gem and a lot of old school uh, horror fans know about it, but I don't think a lot of new school horror fans know about it. Um, so if you're into that sort of uh, sleepy Massachusetts town, witchcraft, gothic horror, um, definitely check it out. So that's my number four. What was the uh, name of it again? Uh, the City of the Dead. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So what you got? All right. So my number four, uh, keeping it off of the horror thing a little bit. Um, I don't know if I'm disappointing listeners or uh, like, <laughs> like I said, like when I looked at my list, I was like, uh, my list is a little too folksy. Like I got to I got to go like actual cults. And um, this is another one that has ties back to that great Harding house that you once had on the south side of Indiana. And okay. uh, uh, me, you and Gabe watched this. And uh, I believe Gabe's exact quotes was. He almost landed it, but didn't quite land it. <laughs> and I was like, I agree. But it's uh, from Mr. Buddy Christ himself, Mr. Snoogans, Mr. Jay and Silent Bob, Mr. Kevin Smith's Red State. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is uh, not available on Blu-ray or um, 
the DVD is even like kind of expensive, which is kind of like that's surprising. It's kind of weird. Before I get my info, did you dig this one? I did. I like John Goodman a lot. I think John Goodman in any yeah. serious role kills it. Um, I, <laughs> Kevin Smith is not the greatest director of all time. I don't think that that's a, a, a blasphemous statement. I had no idea that he had like this type of movie in him. Like even Tusk like gets into there's some great moments in Tusk, but there's yeah. also some like really, really silly shit. Like everybody right. knows what I'm talking about. Um, even though I love Tusk. But anyway, so this actually um <clears throat> the big the, the big thing about this movie, um, synopsis set in middle America, a group of teens receive an online invitation for sex, though they soon encounter fundamentalists with a much more sinister agenda. So these teens get brought into this like compound and uh what's the name of the um like the real life um fundamentalist that this is based on? It's those assholes that were always like picketing everything. There's so many of them. <laughs> That's, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, Red State from Kevin Smith. So this actually introduced me uh, to a once forgotten film icon, um, Michael Parks. And uh, Michael Parks is probably like, he's one of those actors where like, because he was actually like um, blacklisted, I think, for a while. Like wow. when that shit was all like still going on and stuff, but just a guy that like should have been done so much more. And the fact that fucking goofy Kevin Smith and, you know, that's nothing against Kevin Smith, but like his movies and stuff, you know, like the fact that he was able to like write something for him and like make it this really dark, like really, really fucked up movie, man. Because like you spend a lot of the movie in the compound and, um, my number five dealt with this as well, but like very, very charismatic guy. And Michael Parks just takes over scenes from this movie and doesn't choose scenery like in a negative way. Like like Michael Keaton and Batman when he says you want to get nuts and it's the fucking, you know, not in that way. He He takes it and like it's captivating, dude. Like he is a scary, a scary dude in this movie. Uh, and like you said, the great John Goodman, um, this was the one that when Wicker Man fell off, I had to add, I was like, I, I want to add that one in there. Cause it's, I feel like it's probably underseen. You see Kevin Smith and not everybody's the biggest Kevin Smith fan. I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, but he surprised the hell out of me with this one. I think it's a solid movie. Yeah, I dig it. Perfect, uh, perfect movie too, because it weaves together what I think is fascinating is not only cults, but political cults. I think oh, yeah. political cults are probably the creepiest because they have uh, that way of influencing, you know, the outcomes of society in certain ways. And um, we see political cults all over the world, uh, you know, operating in varying various degrees and changing and affecting laws and like the way things are happening. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. And, and there's always that uh, horror element that has that truth uh, piece to it that makes a good movie. And even though this is an outright horror movie, it is very horrifying in a way. Yeah, yeah, like, you remember um, that scene? Um, there was a scene in the movie. Remember when they uh, tie them up, like kind of to on the stage, like of the sermon and he's given a sermon and they're tied up. And isn't he like cutting into them or something in front of the people? Like it is so fucked up. And I'm like, Kevin Smith directed this? Like, holy shit. 
Yeah, and for some reason, after I watched that, I thought that that would be one that would at least get uh, an Oscar, like some sort of Oscar nomination. Yeah. Um, because of the acting was so good in it. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty good pick. Um, Westboro Baptist Church. Those fuckers. Oh, That's yeah. Right. <laughs> I remember those assholes. Yeah, those were recent assholes, too. I, I remember um, Kevin Smith telling the story of like touring this movie and stuff. And he said that uh, those people would like show up and pick it, and he would actually like give them tickets to come inside and pick it. <laughs> oh, that's fun. He would like give them, yeah, to like come inside and see the movie. And he said, like, at the beginning of the movie, they would always just like politely get up and leave. <laughs> yeah, I remember when they were much, they had much more of a online outgoing presence um, back in the mid maybe early obama years yeah um yeah yeah crazy crazy fuckers and i like, want to talk to about it. like real life like scary shit like though you do not want to be caught out with those guys no not at all um so my next pick number three i take it to a very obvious and very campy place which is halloween places. six the producer's cut <laughs> no but you know i completely forgot about that that could be a really fun one um absolutely the producer's cut this is one that i think i mentioned on a podcast you and i did a while back but mm -hmm. i'm going to reiterate it because i think it's a movie i want people to discover uh so that there can be a more interest and more interest means more physical <laughs> more physical releases oh, yeah. uh, and it is called nightmare on the 13th floor from 1990 um, this movie plays really well into the cult, but it also plays really well into like the slasher elements. And like, since it was in 1990, it's off the tail end of the slasher craze. So I think they were trying to weave together a story. And this is a made for TV movie, I think. Well, actually, yeah, it premiered on, on uh, USA, uh, but it is from Paramount. So I know that Paramount is not the best um, company out there to put physical releases out there, but they could. Um, essentially, it's about the Wessex Hotel in Los Angeles. It's a Victorian hotel built in 1898 and at a height of 16 floors, including a 13th floor. Early in the history, uh, serial killer Avery Block, or excuse me, Block, brought his friends to the 13th floor of the Wessex, where he proceeded to kill them with a fire axe, hoping to achieve immortality by taking their lives. Due to the murders, the 13th floor was, of course, sealed off in 1901, and a frieze was erected around the building covering the floor. Um, 90 years later, uh, Traveler's Review magazine sends Elaine Kalisher to write a travel article where she finds a satanic cult using the sealed-off 13th floor of the Victorian Hotel. Yes. Um, it's awesome because not only are they doing that, but there is somebody, or possibly Avery Block, the serial killer. Uh, he's dressed in Victorian garb with the axe, and he is the one that's killing people. Um, so it's got a slashery elements to it. Uh, it is on YouTube for free. There is no physical release, but if you want the physical, um, which I always do, I got the really cool DVD release from VHSPS. And they basically transfer VHS to DVD. Shout out to them. 
Is this one that you've seen? I don't think you have, right? No, no. Yeah, this was the this was the second one that I, on your list that I've seen, and I always I always love when I when that happens because uh, I I always like immediately order them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun. It does have one of the more iconic posters. So when people see the poster, they're like, "Oh, I've seen the poster, never seen the movie." But it's basically the elevator doors opening like behind like this red, like satanic glow. And mm-hmm. you see like a figure with an axe there. And it's just very cool, very iconic, uh, very fun, at times cheesy. It has actually pretty big actors in it. I think Louise Fletcher actually plays one of the villains her from like earlier, like 80s movies, 70s, 80s movies. Uh, but yeah, I would say definitely check it out. Um, like I said, you can look on YouTube. Just look up Nightmare on the 13th Floor full movie, and it is there for your viewing pleasure. All right. So we're on number three, right? Uh, yep. You're number three. Okay. So from here on, it's pretty uh, – I didn't get cute from here on. So to start out, I will go – I'll, you know what? I'll go with number three, Midsummer, uh, from 2019. Uh, Florence Pugh, um, a couple travels to Northern Europe to visit a rural hometown's fabled Swedish Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic ret- retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. So this is another one of those movies that, uh, like we were mentioning about, very divisive. A lot of people, you know, didn't like it, or there's people that's like, dude, that's the best movie ever made. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, were you a fan of this one? Be honest. No, I wasn't. Um, I, Gabe and I went to see it, and I think for the first half hour, I was really interested and invested. I was like, oh, wow, he's really bringing I could see that. Yeah. those vibes and the family's death and yeah. like... All of that. And even when they get to like the trippy scenes, when they drop the shrooms or acid or whatever it is, um, I thought that was really cool. I appreciate what it does because it brings you into the customs of the pagan cult and you're living it. But I think it's a little too long for what the ultimate end result is. And another one that uh, could be definitely considered full full core, but I I kind of... uh... I left it on there because I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it is like, you know, dealing with a cult and stuff. You could argue that there are supernatural stuff going, there is supernatural stuff going on in the movie. But I think it's a, like you said, a good look at like some traditions, you know, stretched as far as like a horror writer is going to stretch them and stuff. Of course, they don't like throw the old off the fucking cliff and stuff. Um, but I thought this one did a really good job of like, these people have no idea, like, what these people's customs are or anything like that. So it kind of just throws you into this world. And, uh, you know, the plot is so fucking obvious. Like, you know, you know what's going on from, from the jump, but, um, it's able to deal with trauma and like, uh, take a look at trauma and like the, it's one of those movies that's like, um, one of the best ever, I think at like showing an awkward, bad relationship and like, uh, you know, just like traveling to a place that you don't understand and like getting involved with something that you don't understand and people's customs. And 
Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff. The, this movie's very dense. Like, there's a lot of stuff. We just covered it for uh, Horrifying My Friends. There's just a lot of stuff that you, like, miss, you know, as you watch this, like, over and over again. I think it really is impressive uh, what Ari Aster was able to do with this one. Uh, you know, another horror in the daylight movie, which is always, uh, always awesome. But, yeah, very much in that Wicker Man vein. Um, uh, Rose was a fan of this but she kind of felt like they were ripping off wicker man <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i felt that way too I, I i think the wicker man the wicker man is actually probably my favorite maybe like oh, yeah. movie um i think it just does it better in a shorter amount of time i don't oh, think yeah. it, i don't think it needs to uh immerse quite so much into the into the rituals to prove the point yeah um, it, but no matter how fucked up that ending is too it's still like really beautiful because it's like uh, i think her name was danny like danny it's like the you know the choosing of your your new family you know yeah. and uh, that that opening like the opening of that movie is like some of the darkest shit that I've ever seen. Like, like with the sister with the the gas mask from the car, and like she her killing the parents, and then like um, I don't know if you've watched it like at home. Um, did you notice like the sister's face like being seen in the trees and shit like at random parts in the movie? Yeah, I it's think weird it's, uh... shit. But yeah, I mean, it's a good pick, and and uh, I think it's available actually on Amazon, I believe, and like Hulu. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's it's readily available. Um, I know you can pick up the Blu-ray for really cheap, and you can find the extended cut, uh, which I think is like maybe three hours um, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but... And again, again, listeners, it's this is a, this is definitely one of those picks. Well, I think all of my picks so far have been like ones where um, if you haven't seen it, you. You're probably like if you haven't seen it, then you might like it. You might not like it. It might not be your flavor. Like like Bub said uh, uh, eloquently, like you know he can respect it and stuff. But you know, uh, uh, you know it's not everybody's like cup of tea. You know, for like a movie as long, it does do very little at like uh, carving out some of the characters and stuff. Yeah, and really for anybody that's jumping on to like cult horror or to that sort of style. Um, I could see where that could be a really big favorite, you know, because not everybody's seen The Wicker Man or not everybody's seen uh, certain movies that are iconic uh, roles and, and movies for that type of subgenre. So I could see where Midsummer would be pretty big for a lot of people. And we, we, we say that we don't want to be negative, but if uh, Don Yabara ever says anything bad about Scarecrows from 1988 again, we will slam him through the table. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of um, people that are negative, my next pick, number two, is uh, one that got kind of panned when it came out and uh, I think has cult status because Scream Factory, and I say this because Scream Factory released new artwork and a deluxe uh, collector's edition of it. So I know that there's a cult uh, love for the movie now that time has passed and it is called silent hill from 2006 Ooh. um i think it is probably my favorite video game adaption um it and if you haven't seen this 
Uh, the film follows Rose, who takes her adoptive, adopted daughter, Sharon, to the town of Silent Hill, for which Sharon cries while sleepwalking. I don't know what, who wrote this description. <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't me. Uh, arriving at Silent Hill, Rose is involved in a car accident and awakes to find Sharon missing. While searching for her daughter, she fights a local cult and begins to uncover Sharon's connection to the town's dark past. Uh, it is available on Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course, Screen Factory Blu-ray. Um, what I like about Silent Hill, there's lots of things I could I like about it, and we could dedicate a whole podcast episode to it. Um, I remember when I went to the theater to watch this, and I was immediately hooked when uh, Rose gets out of the car, and the siren's going off, and the fog and the mist is everywhere. And I was on board because I'm always interested in these like ghost town sort of stories. And uh, also much like we'll go back to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is why I like that movie too, the 2022 because of it being in a ghost town and same actress, Alice Creech, who plays uh, Mrs. Mack in Texas Chainsaw. She is the charismatic cult leader in Silent Hill. Um, she is in a off branch of Christianity and some warped version of <laughs> Christianity or some crazy like offshoot, you know, whatever. Um, it's just, I love, I love the acting in this. I love the creature effects in this. Uh, I think it has a really cool story and I think it does a really good job of meshing together um, horror and that adventure fantasy, dark fantasy uh, with it. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan. I actually even like the sequel too, which I think is kind of fun and campy. Um, what do you think about Silent Hill? Oh yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I would probably agree. Uh, it's probably my favorite um, video game adaptation as well. Um, although I have a soft spot for Mortal Kombat from the 90s. But <laughs> yeah, man, like they're able to get that feeling of Silent Hill. I just rewatched this like a couple months ago. I think it might have been, um, yeah, yeah, it was probably a couple months ago. And uh, yeah, that just that beginning scene when she's walking through the town and uh, she enters that building and the sirens start going off and like that ash and stuff starts coming up off that walls and like uh, she meets that thing out outside of uh, the, like the walking mannequin kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, Silent Hill growing up was just like one of those game series that just so spooky, man. So, so scary. And um, I always thought it was right for like a, an awesome adaptation. I think, I think this came pretty close. Like, I think that uh, they could still like make a perfect Silent Hill, like TV show or, uh, or movie. But yeah, definitely a good pick for this cult list because it, it's a creepy movie. It's it's really creepy, and I'll tell you a short story. But uh, in the town that I live live in now, it's a small town, and they are doing construction on one of the old schoolhouses here. And for the longest time, the past two months, um, the alarm goes off, and it's that, it's that Silent Hill alarm. And it's because the smoke alarms are so old that with the re with the construction, the dust keeps hitting it and it keeps making them go off. So these alarms go off all the time, like at night 
in the middle of the day and morning and and a couple of the mornings i've went outside and we've gotten the past well we've had snow on the ground like a lot of snow for like two two and a half months now and it was when we had the deepest snowfall and there was just all these giant white mounds of snow and it was really like desolate out no one was out because it was so bad and i had to go and pick up um gabe and so i'm I'm starting my car i'm cleaning off my car and the alarm goes off and it's oh. mis- it's misty and there's snow falling and i immediately thought silent hill like where the ash is falling from the people and it was just so creepy and it just that alarm will always make me think of silent hill it's the silent hill alarm oh yeah but yeah, so that's my fun little story. All right, so what do you got for number two? All right, so number two, number two is the Kill List from oh. 2011. Uh, ben Wheatley. Um, so nearly a year after a botched job, a hitman takes a new assignment with the promise of a big payoff for three killings. What starts off as an easy task soon unravels, sending the killer into the heart of darkness. So this is one that I had caught during uh, quarantine, um, and it it's one of those movies that I th- I'll talk about this one the least actually on my list because I think people I think this is like really underseen, um, and if you're a big horror guy, do not be scared off by like the first half of the movie, um, and I won't even tell you like obviously this is a cult like list so I'm kind of telling you. But, like, the first half of the movie is, like, this action kind of, it's like a Reservoir Dogsy kind of, like, Hitman kind of movie. And uh, these guys get into something that they don't understand. And it's very, uh, very folk horror, very, very cultish. Um, and it actually, it blew me the fuck away. Um, uh, Producer Kate actually, like, really, really liked this movie, too. But it's just, it goes in some of those directions that you're not expecting. And, um, yeah, I, I was a late. I saw this late, like I said, this came out in 2011 and um, I didn't see it until, like I said, 2020, 2021. Yeah, I, I've seen it once and I remember not really feeling a certain way about it. And I think Gabe, I, I walked in on Gabe watching it and I think he really liked it. I would have to revisit it because I do, I don't know if I remember it like mm-hmm. like, like you do. Um, so I would need to rewatch it, but um, there's a scene in this movie that scares the fuck out of me. Yeah, and that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't happen like a lot, but right. there's, a, there's a scene in this movie that like scares me bad, dude. Yeah, and and do you know if that's available to stream? Uh, I feel like it. I've seen that on something. I feel like uh, I've seen I it. Thought on it was point. on Netflix. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I've seen it on there. Um, and it's called the kill list, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. it looks like it's streaming on Amazon prime. Nice. Uh, that's a good pick. I will, I will, I, I can't really say much about it cause I don't remember it, but, um, if any of you listeners out there have seen it and like it, uh, please feel free to share, uh, in the comments section. Um, we are getting down to the bones of this countdown, so I'm going to go um, with my number one. So I went from Bad Dreams, City of the Dead, Nightmare on the 13th Floor, Silent Hill. And I'm going to go with one that I think 
people would definitely argue with me on uh, one for it being a horror movie. And uh, yeah, for it being a horror movie would probably be what people would argue with me on. Um, but I consider it an action horror movie and it is Cobra from 1986. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't seen it, um, it is available to rent on Apple, Amazon, and of course, Scream Factory did an awesome collector's edition Blu-ray of that. Um, it is about a guy that eats pizza with a knife. No, I'm just kidding. But he does do that um, in the best scene of the movie. So Los Angeles policeman, Lieutenant Marion Cobra Cabretti, played by Sylvester Stallone, finds himself at the center of a spat of murders carried out by a cult called New Order. Who doesn't love that band? Uh, Killers who select weak members of society for extermination. As the murder rate rises, Cobra takes model Ingrid, played famously by Brigitte Nelson, into protective custody after she witnesses New Order's leader in action names named the Night Slasher. As Cobra falls for Ingrid, they find shelter in a small town, but soon must fight for survival. Um, this movie has a lot going on. It has Sylvester Stallone playing Sylvester Stallone. Um, he has a really awesome introductory at the beginning in that grocery store where he uh, takes out a, a few people and then goes and famously eats his pizza. Oh, yeah. Um, the New Order cult is very creepy. Of course, the Night Slasher is very creepy in this. Um, really cool deaths. Um yeah, and I like that, you know, it's it's got those action elements, but it also has those slashery elements, which this came out in 86, so it's right at the prime of the slasher boom. And there are lots of action horror movies that have that hybrid, um, like ten, the Hero, Hero in the Terror. like Ten to Midnight. Ten to Midnight, yeah. uh, you know, Chuck Norris, uh, of course, Sylvester Stallone. So there was a even, lot of those hybrids. Even Dirty Harry a little bit. I mean, he's basically going against the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, yeah. So there's, I like those, I love those movies. And this is a movie that our dad, Don Ybarra, oh, yeah. um, used to always have going on uh, when we were growing up. When I was a kid, this would always come on HBO and we would just be watching it like, you know, it was nothing and it was fun and I loved it. Um, I still love it. Um, but yeah, I'm assuming you're a fan too. Oh yeah. And the movie, um, if you ever wondered why in the movie Drive, um, what's his name in the movie Drive? Oh, think, Ryan Gosling? Yeah. Ryan Gosling wears like the jacket and the toothpick and shit. It's a total, it's a total homage to that movie. But, you know, I get into like a, a lot of other genres and that's one of my other favorite genres is like the 70s and 80s action movies and stuff. Just like the over the top brutal. Um, and a lot of those movies are fucking brutal. Like those uh, like Death Wish is like a really fucked up movie. Like, you oh, know. yeah. Yeah. I love those 80s over the top action movies. I think there's just um, there's that a lot of them would do their stunts for one and there wasn't the a lot of inclusion of cgi so a lot of these um these set pieces these action set pieces were all practical you know no green screens so a lot of these car crashes a lot of these things these chases uh, these were all done like i think famously even in like a recent one like death proof 
where a lot of that was like, all of that was staged and with stunt coordinators. So I appreciate the 80s action movies. Um, and I think this is a really fun, low-key um, horror uh, slasher with the cult in it. So uh, definitely recommend that for my number one. So you mean you're not going to see the new remake, uh, Tom Holland, Taxi Driver? No. <laughs> no, you know, I won't. That's um, for sure. Yeah. All right. So, so what about your number one? Okay, so I'll do a little rundown. Um, my number five, The Master by Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, my number four was Red State by Kevin Smith. My number three, I believe, was Midsummer by uh, Ari Aster. Uh, my number two, The Kill List, directed by Ben Wheatley. And uh, my number one was the easiest pick on my list. And it's kind of like a cop-out because it's one of the greatest films of, of all time. Uh, but it's 1968's Rosemary's Baby. I was like, how can I leave that off? It fits the list perfectly in that, like, you know, she's literally getting uh, uh, groomed by a cult to, like, have the, you know, the devil son. Or is it the devil son? You know, you never find out, which right. also is the amazing part about this movie is that you never really find out what is going on. You know, it's like you find you know what's going on, but like they don't they don't need to show you a fucking baby you know, that's evil and, you know, has devil horns or whatever. It's all for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. It's all implied. It's all psychological. I want to see the baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We thought we wanted to see Robert De Niro and angel heart too. And then you saw him with fucking yellow eyes and it's like, (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But yeah, Roman Polanski, uh, Mia Farrow, uh, a young couple trying for a baby to move into the aging, ornate apartment building on Central Park West, but find themselves uh, surrounded by peculiar neighbors. But yeah, it's just like that feeling of uh, this lady. And you really do like feel for this poor woman. Like Mia Farrell fucking rocks in this movie because uh, she's in a strange place and you don't know this movie's so brilliant because you don't know who the hell is good and who the hell is bad. And the, the dude that's good gets fucking picked off and stuff. Cause he knows too much. And that ending scene is like surrealist, uh, fucking creepy, man. When she, uh, goes into the apartment and in the background, you can see like some old man, like dancing by with a drink in his hand. Uh, it's almost like shining esque. And then, um, she's walked into like the party of like, you know, the, the coming of the whatever is coming. And um, I just feel like this movie has a good, like subtle way of delivering scares and it's fucking masterpiece. Like I was like, I can't like leave that movie off. Like I, I could have put something else in here, but I was like, I can't leave that movie off, man. Yeah. That's a good pick. I I do love that movie. It's a movie that I think um, like the Texas chainsaw massacre, like the exorcist. um, It's not, a movie that I can always rewatch. It's not like me wanting to vibe to a movie. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a movie that's creepy and genuinely terrifying, but it's not like one that I'll always rewatch to pick up. Like I probably haven't seen it in a couple of years and I'm okay. Not seeing it maybe a couple more. I just know it's on my shelf in that lovely criterion collection. Yeah. Uh, And there will be one day where I'll be like, Hmm. I really want to be like psychologically tortured. Let me put this in. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, it's, it's, 
expertly made. Um, that's really the only thing I can add to that. Um, yeah, it's a great pick. And a really cool highlight in the recently, uh, well, recent as in the, maybe the past year or two, uh, recently released on Sh Shutter and Blu-ray, Cursed Films. There's a really interesting Rosemary's Baby highlight on that. Uh, you can find out about the the cursed film of Rosemary's Baby and what all of the creepy things that happened around that movie. Uh, definitely would like to talk about that too. Do we have time to throw out like let's? Why don't we leave it to like two honorable mentions? That way, we're right. not. That way, we're not just like <laughs> rambling for the next hour about uh, other cult movies. You want to go? You want to go first? Sure. So um, I will throw one out there called, this one is a low key cut that I just wanted to put on there because while it may not be one of the movies that you'll watch and be like, why did he recommend this? It's one that um, it's one from one of my favorite authors and also one that a lot of people haven't seen. Uh, it is available on DVD, so you can find it on DVD. I'm not sure where you can watch it. Um, maybe on Prime Video, I think. Uh, it's called Servants of Twilight by Dinar Kuntz. And um, it is a thriller horror with Bruce Greenwood. Uh, for those of you Bruce Greenwood fans out there, honestly, can't, can't tell you what he was in, but he is top build. So that's Bruce Greenwood. Um, he is a private detective hired to protect a little boy from a fanatical religious cult that believes he is the Antichrist foretold in the book of Revelations. Um, it is a really creepy on the road kind of movie where this kid is pursued by uh, this religious cult. Um, but it does a WTF at the end that you may not have expected. And uh, I think it's pretty underrated for, for doing that. And that's why I want to highlight it because I think um, it's, it's clever. It's it's very clever, and I love movies that do this kind of stuff. And I won't reveal what it is because it's worth checking out. Uh, but it's fun. It's a low key effort. I actually just picked up the DVD because I'd forgotten completely about it until I was looking up Dean Koontz adaptions and forgot that he had actually more than a few. So that would be one that I would throw out there. Um, another one that I wanted to throw out there. Um, and it's probably more of a recent um, edition, and it is Satanic Panic. Um, it's a really fun um, kind of comedy, I would say, comedy horror. Um, and yeah, I think you've seen that, right? Correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that's a really fun one. Uh, you know, of course, it's written uh, uh, famously by Grady Hendrix. Um, who is an accomplished horror author and gave us the paperbacks from hell. This was his foray into screenwriting. And uh, he gave a really fun uh, Satan cult uh, horror comedy and uh, really fun gore and uh, really cool, fun, likable characters and story. Um, but yeah, you can pick that up on Blu-ray, um, DVD, and I think you can check it out. I think it's a Shutter original maybe. Um, but yeah, that would be my, my last pick. Um, what about you? All right. So two honorable mentions. I'm going to start with the endless, uh, synopsis. Two brothers receive a cryptic video message inspiring them to revisit the UFO death cult. I wish somebody would send me a message from a UFO death cult. 
They escaped a decade earlier. Uh, Maybe they already have. Yeah, there you go. Hoping to find the closure that they couldn't find as young men, they're forced to reconsider the cult's beliefs when confronted with unexplainable phenomena surrounding the camp. So that's all I'll read about the synopsis. Really, really weird movie. Doesn't quite crack my what my top five would end up being. Um, I do think this one is worth seeing, though. These guys do... These guys make interesting choices, and that's uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. They're actually directing some of uh, Moon Knight, the new series for Marvel. But they always make, like, interesting choices. Like, not every one of them land for me, and I appreciated that this was, like, the UFO UFO, UFO cult um, as opposed to, like, satanic cults or, like, you know, anything like that. Um, I, I thought this movie was cool. I... I think I read it and read about it. I didn't really watch it. The last one is The House of the Devil from 2009, Ty West. Um, this was one of those that kind of threw Ty West on the map for me. And excellent. Um, there were a lot of imitators of like giving it that like late 70s, early 80s feel. But I felt like the Ty West knocked this out of the park. But another one that uh, we watched... Um, uh, watched together like when it came out and you know uh, a lot of hope for this guy i know he has a, a new movie coming out but i think he was doing like tv for a while but um yeah one that again didn't crack like the top five like because it didn't really meet the perfect parameters for the list um but yeah another really really good one if no one's seen it i'm excited for x that's coming out uh yeah. i believe next month in march maybe yeah or, or april i can't remember um where i guess it's going to be his supernatural slasher or something but uh i'm i usually want to check out all that ty west does even if i like it to varying degrees i oh, think yeah. he's an interesting filmmaker just like ari Oster, aster i keep wanting yeah. to say oster um yeah, I, I always look out. I seek out Ty West stuff. Uh, absolutely. Very good pick. Well, speaking of Jim Jones, uh, our Kool-Aid has arrived. So we got to drink up. And uh, Travis, where can we find you before you drink your tall glass of uh, Sharkleberry Finn? Uh, this audience uh, will be interested in my show, Horrifying My Friends. Um, we are covering, we're kind of uh, getting into some weird little avenues coming up. Uh, we're covering Pink Floyd's The Wall. Uh, that'll drop next Monday. And then I think the episode after that will be uh, 2018, I believe it, it is, uh, the Suspiria remake. So taking a look at that um uh, we've already covered the original, and then we're covering the Suspiria remake. Another one that's either love it or hate it. You know, there's a lot of people that like it, a lot of people that hate it. But, um, yeah, look for HMF to uh, dive into some fringe stuff. Like, some of the stuff that uh, Fatal Follower was bringing up. Like a like a Cobra. Uh, like a Clockwork Orange. Like, you know, like just stuff like that could, that could be perceived as horror. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I love it. I love. I think it. that's all fun too. You can find horror and a little bit of everything if you look hard enough. Yeah, I'm one of those guys though. Like people laugh at me, but I'm like, I like a Clockwork Orange is like one of the scariest movies ever made. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. what what constitutes a horror movie? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it is the real life day to day stuff, which is creepy as hell. Oh yeah. Um, 
I just got my tall glass of Sharkleberry Thin Kool-Aid and I'm ready to down mine and open my arms up to the next place that we go to with Fatal Faller Presents. As always, you can catch me at Fatal Faller Presents a podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Horror Amino, and Fatal Faller Presents at Gmail. Um, stay safe, stay spooky. Fates, we're stopping by. Well, there's Grey Room. <laughs>